Welcome to Survive in Advance, a brand new podcast sponsored by A5 Volleyball. I'm Scott Shelley, and I'm joined by my longtime friend and coaching partner, Gary Jensen. Uh, and we're here to give everybody, fans, players, parents, coaches, etc., an inside look at this crazy world of club, college, and high school volleyball. Uh, before we get started, please, we ask you go out uh, and follow uh, all of our social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, etc. And more importantly, feel free to provide us with any feedback you have, uh, suggestions on guests, questions you want asked. Uh, feel free to email us at surviveinadvance at a5volleyball.com. Uh, Gary, how are we? How is quarantine? How, how has life been? That's good. Um, quarantine has been rough. I would say a few weeks ago, I was like at the, probably the bottom it could be, but back up on top, went to the beach this past weekend and that really helped me rejuvenate the, uh, the blood and ready to go. Good, good. Well, this is, this is episode one. We're finally kicking this thing off. That's right. I feel like we've been talking about for this a while. A while we have. A while. Have. Uh, many beers, many years ago. That's right. Um, <laughs> and uh, just just on that point, a, a, a quick thank you to everyone that's helped get this off the ground, I think. Uh, Scott Shafari, Connor, uh, Walter, uh, Mary Lynn Ryan as well. Just everyone that we've kind of, uh, you know, picked their brains to... Uh, to get a podcast started here at A5. So uh, one thing we'll do at the start of every episode is just give a, a sort of update on the club. Um, now we're obviously in the off season, but, when, but once we're in season, we'll give an update on how teams are doing, tournament titles, uh, great plays, great player uh, performances, things like that. But uh, again, we're in the off season. So uh, the A5 update right now uh, all revolves around tryouts. So we've got a, a list of dates for everyone. We want to make sure that are on the calendar. Uh, first one, October 10th, is tryouts for the 14s and 13s. Uh, October 11th is tryouts for the 12s and 11s plus anyone younger. Um, we have adult open gyms every Friday night from 6.30 to 10.30. Uh, November 8th will be tryouts for the 15s through 18s. And then December 5th is the much anticipated Southern Volleyball Showcase. Uh, all of this is on the website. Make sure you go and sign up. And again, this will all be uh, advertised through our social media accounts. Uh, the other um, important update in the A5 world right now, um, we are coming to you live from the brand new A5 Sportsplex. It is, uh, we are biased, but it is the premier bo uh, volleyball training facility, not only here in Atlanta, in the Southeast, it's probably one of the top two or three in the country at this point. Um, and we are uh, very excited to be coming to you live from here. Um, so that'll kick off our first episode of Survive in Advance. When you have an A5 volleyball sponsored podcast, there's really only two guests you can have for your first episode. So we have, uh, we have the godfather of Atlanta volleyball, founder of A5, 15s head coach, Bob Westbrook, and current club director and 16s head coach, Gabe Aramian, to, uh, to kick off our, our episode one here. So I guess um, just to get started, if you two could both, um, at separate times, obviously, just give uh, some quick, just give some quick background for yourself, um, you know, how you got here to A5, um, why why did you choose the sport of volleyball in general? Um, just a quick background, Bob, I would urge you to, to leave out, um, <laughs> the majority of he said the word quick, any, he said the word quick. most of our early life, <laughs> any, well, just, just any stories about how far you drive from Mexican food or what yeah. you used to drive around with in your yeah. trunk, yeah. things you've come across that have tails that maybe shouldn't leave all that stuff out. I've heard them all, uh, but no, if you guys could just give a quick, a quick background. 
Uh, well, I was uh, actually sent here in 1976 to start uh, junior volleyball. Of course, I didn't do that by myself. Hey, first of all, thanks for having us. We're really thrilled to be here for the, the this kickoff edition. And I think it's closing the loop on uh, something we want to do for a while. So I really appreciate y'all pursuing it and making it happen. That's exciting. We're excited uh, to be here for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, so again, I was sent here in 1976. I, I actually was um, playing ball in Florida and a fellow named Jim Vineyard, former U.S. national team captain, sent me to train with Jim Coleman in Chicago, a course called Coaching, Teaching Volleyball. I met McKaylee there and a bunch of early pioneers in the game. And, and Coleman was at the time was one of the top, two or three coaches in the world. I didn't know that. I was just a Southern boy, right? <laughs> and so – Bless um, your heart. And so then I had the uh, – and Jim Vineyard, the guy that sent me to uh, Coleman's course, got me the first head coaching job at the University of Florida. And then after a year, I realized I didn't know crap about the game. And and so um, uh, I went to study in California with Chuck Irby, who had the Adidas girls. And they sent me back – that organization sent me in 1976 – to start junior volleyball, and uh, from we our first tryout, we had three girls show up, and uh, within three weeks we had nine, and so to be in in here in this place with a five is just an extraordinary uh, feeling for me and thought for me. And we'll 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 touch more on that on going from three girls to oh, a thousand. thousand. Yeah, yeah. Thousand. now we'll, we'll we'll touch more on that in a second. Gabe, where'd you come from? Uh, I was not sent here in 1973 <laughs> to start volleyball. <laughs> I uh, I uh, got into it late. I was a, grew up in Georgia and played every sport known to man. But something about volleyball just hooked me. I couldn't. Something about the technical side of it being so difficult, and um, so I became obsessed with it as a player. And um, when I moved back to Atlanta after college to go to graduate school. Uh, I didn't want to get a job as a waiter or something basic, so I um, I thought maybe I could get into coaching because I was obsessed with volleyball still. So I reached out to, I think, eight different high schools, and Christina Rosenau, the head coach of Roswell, responded. And she said, I have an assistant job opening and um, would be interested in you know, getting to know you. So I came by and she said, you know, if you really want to get into volleyball, then you got to get into club ball. And uh, and there's really only a couple people that you need to know. And one is Bob Westbrook. And uh, I am his assistant coach on the 18-1 team. So she was Bob's assistant. And uh, this is in 2005, 2006. And so um, I and I and then she said, and you also need to get in touch with this guy, Phil Bush. And uh, so I, my first contact was actually to Phil Bush, uh, rest in peace. He passed away this uh, past weekend. And um, uh, he, he meet, peppered me with 30 questions. I knew absolutely nothing. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I like volleyball. Okay, so what do you think? You know, if we were to, yeah, I like volleyball. I think <laughs> yeah. that was my answer to most <clears throat> the questions, but he said, okay, I'm putting you in touch with two people, Bob Westbrook, whom I've already heard and, uh, Bill Hoy. And, uh, so those are kind of my first two contacts into the volleyball world. And Bill Hoy folded me into some of the, um, junior stuff that he was doing. He kind of started what is now really known as middle school volleyball in the state of Georgia and, um, on a whim. 
and that's a longer story. But um, and then he introduced me to Bob, and um, you know, I think the first time I met Bob, I met him at St. Jude's, and we were gonna run some lessons, and I meet him, and he's he gets out of his car, he's like, "Grab the ball bag," and I was like, "Okay, grab the ball cart, okay, let's go." The rest is history. Yeah. So. That's good. That's good. I noticed. Now uh, I get where your part of your coaching style is. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't touch any equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bob's first lesson. Um, I noticed yeah. you left out all of the the Mickey Mouse Club stuff. You left out all the background stuff, but that's okay. We'll we'll, we'll touch on that later. Um, perfect segue into Bob. Um, can you go into a little bit about sort of how A five started? and the growth in the early years and just kind of how it how it took off well we're actually a linear a5 is a linear descendant of the very origin of volleyball in the sense that most of the not all but most of the better coaches people were really serious about growing the game uh, came up through early it was volleyball atlanta and then volleyball juniors atlanta juniors and then atlanta crush and um so in 2005 uh, Phil Bush, myself, uh, Anna Bush, actually in 2004, um, and um, Jeff Cho uh, were coaching together. And we, we uh, were obsessed with the idea that um, there were some things about club volleyball that uh, we needed to address. How we traveled, train, training methodology top to bottom, um, what our goal was, what our vision was about uh, as a, uh, what we wanted to be as a club. And that was to be a national level club. And what do we have to do to do that? And so in 2005, at the urging of a man named Bain Tippins, who basically said to me, you're, you're going to have to start a new club because we weren't addressing any of those things. And we actually went to the people uh, that were sort of we were, that I was working with and for at the time and said, hey, let's make this a national level club. And uh, they assumed that I wanted to be director of the club, which is the farthest thing from the truth. I wanted to train athletes. And I said, look, I, I, we just need to have a top-to-bottom methodology. We need to travel. We need to communicate. We need to create an environment where people can have experiences that really change their lives, both as coaches and players. And, and fortunately, we were able to attract the majority of the people, and that's unfair, but a significant number of people, Erica Miller, for instance, and uh, Dale Smith, who was our early financial person, whose daughter went on to play at uh, Florida. Um, but a, a ton of really good people who had shared that common vision that we need to do some things differently. And, you know, for us, and I say this humbly, we never, our goal was never to be the best club in the southern region. We want to be one of the best clubs in the country. And being the best club in the southern region will be a byproduct of that effort. And that meant we had to travel. And that meant we had to be willing to lose. And that meant we had to be open to how we trained. And then we meant we had to recruit and keep and nurture and grow with and from uh, the people around us. I mean, the people sitting at this table right now are a great example of that. The high quality folks with really committed, uh, with real legitimate skill set, um, and that are really committed to, to, to trying to achieve the things that are our goals as a team. Again, that goal is teaching life lessons in the sport of volleyball. It is. Um, so, Gabe, kind of building on that, um, I guess in recent years, how, what would you attribute uh, A5 from becoming, you know, a, a, a club that competed really well regionally to now a club that competes really well nationally? And as club director, I have to put the pressure on you. Where do we go from here? Um, well, there was a seismic shift uh, in volleyball in the Southeast. And um, uh, Bob and them 
uh, Phil and some of the people at the beginning, you know, garnering the idea of of trying to build a national level club, but the but the first part was just being the best club in the city and then in the South, and we were not. Uh, the uh, we impact and NASA were our big competitors, and we actually wanted to be like them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we would take our teams to watch them and be like, "Hey, you know." And so, but we were competing quickly because everybody saw in Atlanta that this is the place to be. You know, and um, so actually, Scott and Bob and myself kind of made it a mission, and Phil was behind us um, that we're just going to travel around the country and see what the best people do. And uh, we went up to sports performance and they kind of took us under their wing for a week. We just lived in their gym and um, it was over Christmas break. They were required to be in the gym eight to 10 hours a day and every single day. And on Christmas, they have a half day. And uh, so, <laughs> yeah, um, we thought the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, wow. And, uh, and Stockings it, presents, you're out. Uh, <laughs> and so we weren't, um, we weren't uh, the the level of play. Everything was amazing, but we, that wasn't all of our notes. We were taking notes about how they run their business and uh, how do they run their teams with the master coaching system and so on. And it was obvious when we came back that we needed to make a shift, and so we did. And uh, we felt that a lot of people weren't going to be okay with it because uh, most clubs in the country are run to where the club coach that you give them their team and they go off and try to be successful. Not everybody learned to pass this way. Everybody learned to set this way. Everybody learned these drills if you want to develop your footwork. So whereas if we were to have a drill for our 18th team, our 12th team could do the exact same drill. So um, there weren't people that bought in and there were, there were a lot of people that bought in. Gary was one of them. And um, so uh, we instituted it that year, the master coaching system, and we, for us to win a division at regionals was very rare, and we won every single division at regionals. And uh, it was essentially the end of NASA volleyball to some degree because a lot of the coaches had left and they were trying to start their own thing, but certainly their dominance of the southern region and impacts as well. And um, we, uh, from there on, grew exponentially. Bob and I always said, like, let's say in 2007, we thought it was going to be around this time, 2020, till we could compete with uh, Kiva and Wave and um, uh, back then Encinitas and, you know, TAV and some of them. Even TAV was uh, like trying to be at the level of Kiva and some of these clubs. But um, but, uh, it happened a lot quicker. And it happened in a vacuum because we were instituting this cultural dynamic that was something completely different than um, what had happened before. And uh, but of course, Bob and I still feel that we are um, not to the point where we need to be now, arguably coming out of this season, had it not when it got cut short, we were the number one club in the country coming out of um, Triple Crown. And uh, and it was not even close. I mean, we we dominated the top club award. And, uh, and it was ours to, you know, 
ours to take at nationals. So, um, well, and then, and so, then our 18s went on to win two qualifiers after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Well, we had, a, we had, a, 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 just a smashing success at sunshine. And Florida, yeah. yeah. Really it was, yeah. it was, we, we were, we were on our way, but, um, but we couldn't to, win that one. So we didn't go <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to finalize or to finish the, the latter part of your question yeah. is that uh, Bob and I um, feel we're behind and uh, we feel we're behind in a lot of ways. And I, I think it's a good motivator to um, to always kind of excel and try to achieve something mm -hmm. that uh, is maybe out of our reach, even though we it may have been in our reach this year. We feel that it's very inadequate what it is we're doing and that um, the new facility and and all of this is a huge transition for us, but uh, we always feel we need to get better athletes in the gym. We need to find ways to get better athletes in the gym. We got to improve our training. We got to help our better coaches. better coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we're yeah. always on the. I mean, it is a constant. Every morning we get up and or at late at night, Bob and I are talking to each other, and we're talking about some kid that not any human on earth would know, and it's yeah. just. You know, what, did you see that kid that came from Marist Middle School? You know, she may have shot, you know, and it's just, that's all it is, you know, and it's all for kind of a greater goal, even though there is a lot of minutia, you know, amongst uh, yeah. trying to achieve this. Interesting enough, though, I think it's like, um, I've been here long enough with Scott over there in, in the corner um, and persevered through all these changes, right? And, and I, I think the milestones for the club or the, the master coaching sequence i think the even the the uh the passing series and stuff like that we implemented where everybody in the gym like you said gabe knows the same core drills it's it's we're not retraining ourselves every beginning of the season yeah. right we're all on the same page and we're singing from the same song sheet and we're able to improve and then i always argue when you're trying to get that that girl to come to your your club you're trying to pursue to have her come to us and we say well are you going to play with the best uh, 15s team in the nation, the best 16 or the or a top 10, right? It's like we have that every Tuesday night or Wednesday night whenever we have our master coaching nights that you're never going to be able to, to see anywhere else. Yeah. Forget about the South, but in, in, the, in the country for the most part. Yeah, I do want to touch on one thing, a couple of things that Gabe said, but one specific thing, which is that um, the only thing we've done that's remarkable is create culture in a vacuum, mm -hmm. how we do what we do. And it's so fragile. And we don't spend any time thinking that whatever we've accomplished, we might give ourselves a few minutes of credit, but most of the time we're trying to figure out what we have to do next to, to get better. So that actually, that's a <laughs> next question on my list was for you to talk about the culture of a five and um, you know, how, how important culture is and was in building this club. And I, I, I asked that because if you watched the, the senior video that, that we had from this last season, the overwhelming common theme for that question was family, right? A, a five is a family. So, you know, what, from a culture standpoint, one, how great did it feel to get to that point? And, and two, how important was culture in growing the whole club? Well, I think it was a critical piece. I don't know that we were always aware of what that meant. But we were aware that we needed to both build our culture and then have it try to create an environment that helped it occur organically. Because when the players end up driving it, then you know you've arrived to where it's sustainable. If it's always us driving it externally, that's a harder thing to pitch, right? But, um, you know, not just on the court, uh, but off the court as well. 
Um, you know, and we, we implemented some things and talked about some things that we felt contributed to that. Um, a lot of it is mindset, right? Well, how you think about what you're trying to do. But we, you know, little things like we, um, the way we communicate on the court with and ask our players to communicate. Uh, the fact that uh, when a ball rolls off, two players go chase the ball. The fact that we line our bags up. And a lot of this, we looked around the country at what was best management practices and said, hey, we like this. This fits us. And, and this maybe not so much. Because you have to take into account, I think, where you're from geographically and culturally in a bigger picture. And we wanted to – we didn't want to be – this club or that club, we want to take the best of what they did and incorporate it into who we thought we needed to be. And uh, so I, it was the critical piece in terms of, uh, of us. Uh, and, and, you know, that led to the master coaching stuff, right? It's just impossible to describe uh, and, and how rewarding it is now that people buy into the master coaching and see that whatever we've accomplished, we wouldn't have gotten there without the master coaching. There's just no way around it. You know, so interesting enough when Gabe yesterday you're saying this, Bob, I was thinking Gabe mentioned that you guys went on a, a sort of road trip to see what's best out there, and you mentioned this a few times. Has it happened to us that people approached us and said, "Hey, let's see what A5 is doing and what we can replicate in different parts of the country, and then how to reciprocate that?" Well, there's two 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 answers to that. Yes, <laughs> yes, there there have been. Yeah. We've actually had people. Uh, in fact, we just got a contact uh, yesterday from. Uh, international club that wants to form a sister club relationship mm -hmm. and uh, exchange players and coaches and go back and forth. And that's exciting. We were honored that right. they would think of us. And they said, we thought of you specifically. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was exciting. Brazil, and, uh, we had, when we went to Brazil, Brazil? we had a, yeah. a lady come up, um, not, not much, I think a couple months after and trained with us for a couple weeks just to learn what it is. We almost everywhere for our Can Canadian. We've had Canadian coaches. Yeah. We, I mean, you know, uh, that, the yeah. wave head coach, uh, Brennan Dean was going to come out to, uh, and train with us and watch us. We were going to do that with them as well. We got caught up with COVID and yeah. that didn't happen. Um, you know, we, we, we maintain a strong relationship with Kiva and Muncieana and we're always talking about internally, what do you do? What do we do? And there's other clubs as well. TV. I don't, TAV, yeah, that's right, that's right. And there's other clubs besides that as well. Um, so, but the strange thing to me, uh, honestly, is that more people don't do that. Not because we think we're so good. I just know what I would do. I know what I did. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I know what we did. I know what all of us did, right, was that we said, well, what do they do? What do you do, man? I can remember going up to Joe Jablonski at one of the qualifiers. Joe was coaching at Sports Performance at the time. He's coached at OTBA, OBA, and he's coached now at TAV, right? And and they were doing this warm-up, which turned out to be the Sports Performance Hand Control Series. Well, it was revolutionary to me. I'd never thought of, of hitting as ball control. And then they actually organized where you had a four or five or six – sequence movement associated with it right and he was really gracious to me and explained it to me and we brought it back and and uh, and instituted it but but uh um it just amazes me because people will tell you exactly what they think believe when we were in japan which was really a transcendent coaching experience for us all of those folks of course we're not competing with them directly we're so open about well this is why we do this this is why we do that so for us we ask on the technical side we say is it is it simple? Is it efficient? Is it biomechanically sound? And can we teach it? Yep. And then we, we institute. But that's part of the cultural approach. Is we have a living document, uh, both on the court and off the court. Well, maybe you and Gabe should be more approachable and people would ask you more. <laughs> I get that it. Is, that's, yeah, probably yeah. That's, that's probably true. That's probably true. I don't know. I that's don't know. probably true. <laughs> um, uh, 
both of you just just kind of a quick uh, quick answer here. What is what does the A five Sportsplex mean for A five now going forward? What is it is it's obviously a big step for the club, but what does it mean? I mean, is it a, it's it's obviously a culmination of a lot of hard work, um, but what does it mean for for the club? Just we're always trying to. Um, what's the biggest issue that uh, clubs have in the country? Ninety uh, percent of the answers are uh, gym space, and um, so uh, just like our club started in little churches and stuff. Uh, to when we moved to the sport uh, to the SVC, that was a big deal, and um, and Scott could probably tell you more or um, a, a, a more clear answer, but it was very quickly that we outgrew. SVC and uh, the yeah, it was um, the strength of um, uh, the club growing, etc. But but we needed more space and we needed to have it all the time. And um, you know, we we rented out the cooler, but we didn't didn't own that space. It was difficult for us to. We only had certain times that we could use it, etc. We still had to use schools and stuff. And this was always a a goal of ours. So um, so. We knew that getting into a big space, how we were going to get there and, and so on was the more difficult uh, questions for us. But um, but I know that for us, as we've made this transition into the 13-court facility, that it still seems surreal for us because we're having to simultaneously take it in and also continue our business, running the classes and stuff. And uh, And it's funny now because... We're trying to organize the way we've always done things, but with way more space than we've ever had available, which is something that no volleyball club has ever said in the history of volleyball. And uh, so we are, um, you know, running classes on court one and two, and then third, three miles away on court 13, they got something else going on. And we have, you know, six, seven other courts that we could be running classes on. So now we're trying to, you know, figure out how we're going to fill all this space and, and then be able to run our club efficiently and keep, uh, you know, keep growing. Do you think that has an impact on the culture? You say, go back to you. I, I was coaching when you, we were going to the single, single court facilities and, and the lights, half the lights worked and you, yeah. you're out there training. And does that change the culture a little bit? Having this facility where it's sort of granted to you as a, as a player, you walk in and everything's there versus, Hey, I need you to put the, I need you to put the, the poles in the hole. And they're like, Okay, Coach Gary. You know, it's like, does that change uh, things for you guys? Well, it uh, what it does is uh, nothing's written, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it really is important for us to not take culture for granted. We want to take uh, the best of our culture that's still evolving, but but uh, pick our culture, and we want to make sure that this place. Uh, can reflect that culture and help grow that culture, which I, I think it can. But I don't have to tell you all. Everybody sitting in this room knows we've had some really great moments in that SVC gym mm -hmm. culturally. And and uh, that, that again, so much of our success was driven by culture and by being in that facility together. Absolutely. I mean, players get to be exposed to not just their coach, but they get to be exposed to all the – the coaches in the club and you never know when someone's going to change a player's life. The, the, the other thing that Gabe talked about this earlier and some other thing we were talking about, about the facility was we made the jump from the, the schools and churches to the, the uh, SVC. It was a big deal. Um, there was one other facility in town, but it didn't have the feel that we had when we had that, we were in that gym. But, uh, 
we, we were able to make that adjustment fairly quickly. This is this facility is is forcing us in a good way to rethink everything we've done. Uh, how to utilize that space so it's efficient. How to you know how much we'll have to rethink all our master coaching, which teams are in the gym, all that kind of stuff. And that I think that's healthy. Uh, rather than to always just recreate what we've done in the past. Yeah, I think the interesting thing too is back on the culture point is that the um, you know go way back the players that trained in St. Jude and in all these other gyms they they hold those gyms very dear. The players that train in the SVC, yeah. the SVCs in here yeah. now that you, you get to see a new group that's going to train in here mm -hmm. and the sportsplex will be in them too it's Their just legacy yeah it's it's uh to gary's point it's just about uh it's about finding tasks for the teams now to make them own the sportsplex that's right, right. To make them feel personally that's right connected that's right. to uh, the sportsplex so it's it's an incredible space i say they have to push on the uh the boxes around. The I just can't wait. I just can't wait till they make hitting errors. You, it, a lap around the gym now means something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a long way. Yeah. <laughs> Touch every wall and come back. Nope. Yeah. This Touch every life. wall and come You're back. Take, take food and water with right. you. Right. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going to be six on five for a long time. Yeah. That's um, uh, kind of switching gears here. So, Gabe, uh, one thing you didn't touch on during the background part, um, but. Um, Coaching in college versus coaching club. Um, what brought you back? What would you tell? I know, you know, hopefully there's going to be some, uh, some club and college coaches listening to this. What brought you back uh, to club and what was the, the college coaching experience like? Um, uh, I, all of my college coaching friends know this. I did not like college coaching. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is not, to, it's not for there, everyone. There are many, many college coaches out there that just, they love it. And yeah. that it was what they, it's always been a passion for them. And it, it wasn't for me. And, uh, the kind of the short story is that, um, uh, as I was kind of moving my way up in the club world, um, and it's funny because our the mindset is was totally different. You know, Bob always, I think, in some ways, Bob thought that I was going to be a college coach at some point because back then we felt that was the hierarchy. You work your way up in club, and then um, and then maybe you move on to college and you work your way up in there. And uh, so when I got the uh, the opportunity to go to Auburn and coach, I you know I think Bob was kind of expecting it, and uh, I was, yeah. And so it happened and, and I got to do a lot of things simultaneously, um, particularly on the statistical side and learn data volley, which is, um, which, uh, now a lot of, uh, young college coaches don't have to worry about because of huddle. Uh, but, uh, back then you'd have to do the input and stuff yourself and you learned, uh, and I learned no a lot. free ads huddle. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, so um, I met some really interesting people, and uh, one one guy was Joseph Foreman, and he was like just like Bob was, kind of a, uh, probably my second big mentor in the volleyball game. And um, a lot of people go to him around the country to get advice because he is extremely knowledgeable in the he, game. He is the real deal. He yeah. uh, he he had, in fact, his mentor was also Jing's mentor. They both had the same mentor, Sun Dali. He was the head coach for the top, uh, uh, the Chinese uh, military team, and they were the best team in the world at the time in China. And uh, he also was Joseph's mentor as well. Joseph coached 
uh, with the Hungarian men's national team, and he was the head coach there. And uh, so anyways, um, without going out on a tangent, uh, I uh, coached at Auburn. Then I went to Coastal with um, – with uh, Joseph for a few years. We, we had success at Auburn uh, um, and had a, a lot of success at Coastal as well, as well. but it is a totally different animal. Um, I, I think that they should rename uh, the position, not college coaching. It needs to be college administration, paperwork, office politics, recruiting, <laughs> uh, more paperwork, um, staying up at all hours, and then maybe if you have a small smidgen of time coaching, yeah. because you, the amount of time that you do not spend coaching is, is virtually all of it. Yeah. And uh, that part of it was very hard for me. I felt that I was losing my passion for the game. This is not for uh, to, to push anybody out no, of wanting to no, no. coach collegially, but this was just for me. And I happened to get into the game in a very unique scenario of something that was small, that was going to be big. And I happened to get on board right when it started. And, and I was very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and to be a part of something that was just exploding. And I didn't get that feeling when I was coaching in uh, college. And so uh, I made the switch back and, um, and, uh, you know, we've, and we've gone through yeah. a lot of big changes even since then and leadership wise, just, um, having more responsibilities and so mm -hmm. on. And I wouldn't, uh, take it back. For oh, we're anybody. glad he made that choice. Yeah. And we're glad we made that choice. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess the next one, again, it's kind of a, kind of a, a switching gears again. So Bob, you've been uh, you've been recognized. Obviously, I mean, you've been on CNN. You've been on all sorts of news channels. You've been on all. You know, you're you're a your celebrity your beard now. Is massive. Don't for, think so. But yeah, well, <laughs> well, but you've been on there for you know starting a five for for growing a five for creating a five. You've 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 been recognized a lot for building all of this. Um, how did it feel this past year to be recognized by the AVCA? for coaching, you know, for not building stuff or grow, but for actually coaching the game, right? I, I coached with you for three years. Um, I don't think you get enough credit for how you actually coach the game. How'd that feel being? Well, it, it was rewarding. I, I did feel a little bit like it was a lifetime achievement award. <laughs> <laughs> no, the season. Well, season. I mean, only the great ones get lifetime achievement awards. The season is like winning the uh, lifetime achievement. You don't win an Oscar for you know your best director, but right. you get the lifetime achievement award. <laughs> sure. Right. So, I mean, because, you know, COVID came along, cut the season short. I thought the best coach in the country this year that year this year was Jen up at uh, uh, Legacy that 15-1 team was dynamite right and she did a good job with that team and is a great coach and the other thing is that in any given year there's several coaches yeah. a lot of coaches that yeah. could be recognized I don't want it in any way uh, it, it's humbling mm -hmm. um, it's rewarding you know, I, you know, I said, well, you know, he's old and he might go away soon. So we got a chance here. They just go ahead and pass that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, but the other thing is that, um, you know, any, I think it was, uh, uh, Newton that said, if I have seen farther is because I've stood on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And so whatever, whatever, and I mean this sincerely, whatever I've accomplished, 
uh, I stood in the shoulders of people and, and shoulder to shoulder with people. I mean, I couldn't be without Scott and Gabe. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have accomplished it. I mean, I, I enjoyed, uh, uh, working with you so much for three years. And then it's incredibly gratifying to see you and Gary and, and Bree had the success you've had at 18s and it was the right move there. And so I, I take some, uh, pride in that. I don't want to be, you know, overly prideful about anything, but I take some pride in that because yeah, it was the right choice for the club. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it goes to show you, and I learned this late in life is that if you, surround yourself by great people, your opportunity for success is greatly enhanced. So I, I'm humble. Uh, it was a, it was a crowning achievement. But I, you know, I, I uh, a couple of days after it happened, I had somebody walk up and say, hey, congratulations. And I said, for what? <laughs> I said, for being named coach. He said, oh, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. But that was two days ago. Your age yeah. catching up with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. What? Listen, but that was. I couldn't read the email. <laughs> I said that was two days ago. What, yeah. what are we doing today? Yeah. So yeah, I mean that it was one of the highlights of my coaching career. But you know, um, awards are just accolades after whatever the work you've done. Mm-hmm. And and I wanted to still be engaged by the work and yeah. still motivated and inspired by the people I work with. So now, so now we're going to get in a little bit of the of the club history stuff, a little bit of uh, sure opinionated mm-hmm. questions yeah. here. Yeah. So yeah. what? Uh, both of you, um, what do you guys think individually is the most important win in A5's history? There were several. One was Erica Miller's uh, qualify, qualifying for the first Atlanta team in Open. Mm-hmm. Um, they finished dead last in the Open tournament, but it was a big deal. They had to upset two or three teams who were better than yeah. them. Um, you know, uh, you know, she also won the first national championship, if I'm if I remember that correctly mm-hmm. as well. That was a big deal. Uh, this is a small moment in time, but it happened that year that uh, Gabe took over coaching 16 Open, a six, uh, 16s team, and uh, we won all the regional championships that year. And Gabe beat a team uh, from, was it Impact? Alabama. Yeah. Alabama. They had never lost a, a match yeah. in, in – um, in, in, yeah. in history in their history and uh and he beat them and, and you could just hear the place going crazy and then um the, the, it was so exciting to and the, i think the lady came up to him after the match was over and said you, you know Al, alabama volleyball is dead mm-hmm. you, guys, you just put us out of business <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. the the uh, uh scott when we coached together um in that 18s team that uh, we were down 11 8 in the third to northern lights the favorite to win the tournament and um, in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis, on their, on home, their home court, court. Yeah. called timeout and said, "Hey, we're going to have to make a couple plays here." And uh, you block the—they're closing the blocks. So you're going to have to swing off the block. And um, that is the uh, very G-rated version of what was said in that. Home that's court. right. <laughs> you're right. And and, uh, and then Jessica uh, Sloan served that ace on that All American right. Libra. No ball um, bleep and hits the floor, and you better swing like bleep. I think. Well, and there's <laughs> there's some others. Uh, uh, Gabe's double win uh, for open. Yeah. Um, uh, your double win, your guys double win when you won a couple of years ago. And then this year, your back-to-back qualifier wins. That was a statement because that team, our team, that team, uh, of ours of a fives was supposed to be a good team, mm-hmm. but to think they were going to win back-to-back qualifiers and, and really, really make a statement like that, that was not that's something the we shame of this last season. I know that, you know, COVID affected everybody and it's, and it's, it's a shame worldwide 
Um, but man, we were on a roll as a club. We were we were on fire as a club um, in early March. Uh, yeah, coming was, off a triple crown, yeah. coming off of qualifiers, and that it had been fun to see how that wrapped up. I have a, a yeah, I have a, an obscure one. So Scott and I, um, we used to we were obsessed with watching all the best teams and the best club and keeping up with. We we would. We would know the stats of all the every match. No, that's true. I'd have to no listen joke. to them. Do we ever name any drills after other clubs? And, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> every drill we've ever had. I, I, every, I hope somewhere every, there's an A5 drill. Yeah, <laughs> well, here's an obscure one. Uh, Gary, actually, was – so we never beat any of the good, good clubs, and we would never beat Kiva or any, any of these people. And Kiva was in the heart of Kiva. I think it was like 2000 – nine or something they won or 2008 they they won at, at least five divisions or something in open mm-hmm. at nationals and naus and gary was coaching 17-2 i believe and they went up to scott already knows this nobody can see on the camera but scott's back here listening <laughs> but so scott and i are watching and we're and you know gary is in um and I forgot what the tournament Central Zones. Central Zones, yeah. yeah. And we and Kiva White is there is playing in the division there and the, there was really back then there was only two divisions open and club in the club division. And Kiva White's there and Scott and I are keeping up with Gary, but mainly Kiva White because their point percentage <laughs> their point percentage was typical for a Kiva team I going into the going, going into the going into the like uh the final round of gold their point percentage was literally three. So to have to have a three point percentage, you have to beat everybody by twenty five to one or two. So nobody could score more than two points really against this Kiva team. And Gary makes it to the finals, and Scott and I were, you know, pouring our beer out because we knew it was that there was going to be a slaughtering and there would be pain and suffering. And of course, you know, Scott and I can't watch it or anything. And somehow. And it, obviously Gary was there and I, and I don't even recall the specifics because when Gary came home, Scott and I, well, they won, they beat this Kiva white team. It for us, it wasn't comprehensible. And we told Bob, Bob gets it too. And Bob, we're like, Bob, that's the biggest win in our club's history. Mm-hmm. And Bob's like, I know. And it's just like, and when Gary came home, it. it was like, nobody, nobody talked about it because, you know, it was kind of like a microcosm of, you know, Keith, you know, down in Kiva and stuff, they're probably like, who the hell is this, you know, A5 team? And they're like, what is A5? But we beat that Kiva White team. And they're, I mean, just crushing everybody. And Gary beat them. And I, they came home. I was like, Gary, that's the biggest win in our club's yeah. history. And just I was like, so you who's know. Kiva? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, just, I remember the um, our middle, Ali Nogi, broke her collarbone in that match. Oh, really? Them. Yeah, and she played the rest of the match. And we oh. Were and it, it, was, it was awesome. Yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I got one more to add yeah. to it because yeah. I think it's important that we – recognize that every athlete who walks in our gym is important to us. Mm-hmm. It's been, it was just a couple years oh, yeah. ago. Our 15-4 team was playing in the regional championships, right? And uh, they're playing in the quality level reflects yeah. just about where they were, they were at. They're playing, I forget which team, and it's a barn burner going back and forth, back and forth. And, and, and uh, you know, it's a three-set win. It's, I think it's 15-13 in the third. And the tears and the, the, the glory those girls 
felt and achieved, parents running around crazy on the floor. It so captured yeah. what we hope we can offer everybody. It wasn't about being a one team or a two team. It was about the experience and about being on a team, being on a team and being on a team that can compete and can qualify for nationals. It was, it was remarkable. And I, I got goosebumps walking. I'm getting, but when I watched it, I've got goosebumps right now telling. Yeah. That's awesome. I want to tell one just really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Part of this, this piece. But (laughs) when we're back in Reno, my, my team qualified for national division and we're, we we get out of uh, the the first set of pools, so which is two days, right? We're day three. We're in a, a three team pool, and we're against uh, Sport Shack and Vision, and then that's the only team from mm-hmm. Georgia. We beat that. We win that pool, and I can just see the coaches. They were just so cool. <laughs> California guys got the the board shirts on, flip flops. Uh, like we, this Georgia team's not gonna win. And, yeah. we, and we, I think we won. Uh, we're three setters for both of them, but one, and then we ended up playing Rage again. If we beat them in pool play to get to gold and of course out of California we go it was a barn burner and we barely lost but I just remember looking as a coach and going holy cow there's like 20 people deep watching this match yeah. in Reno because there's nothing else to do is that that or gamble right? <laughs> so can't watch <laughs> but um, I think that's like a, mo- a memorable moment for me yeah. as, as a coaching career is like one we be some California teams people are vision and, and sports act you think of like legacy yeah, uh, clubs time. right and yeah. And this little team from Georgia flying yeah. in for the to the West and doing yeah. it. Yeah, that's well, pretty I, cool. And yeah. they're probably thinking, like, look at this guy. He's dressing like a California. You, you got board shorts and flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's one board shorts and flip flops too. He's probably dressed like us. Can't be yeah. like us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, next one I got yeah. right. Tell us a funny story. Of, like, like the funniest story you have from your coaching career. Memorable. And I, if, if, if memorable. If Gabe doesn't tell me his, I know what it is. Um. Well, funny and also. Memorable. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the bus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually our favorite tournament, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Smart guy. So back in the day, Central Zones was played in in um, the both sometimes in the Kiva gym and at the uh, orange um, uh, team what, Indiana. Uh, what is uh, what is the uh, facility called? The Ohio Valley uh, Volleyball Center and and then. Um, uh, Team Indiana or uh, Circle City's old uh, facility as well, and um, and so uh, we were playing in one of the events, and it was a 16s team, and th- our division was insanely tough, and Kiva Mava, and the Kiva Mava were like number one, number two in the country, and um, uh, Team Indiana, bunch of bunch of good teams, and so. Um, we, uh, we used to take buses and we don't take them anymore. Not because of this. <laughs> they're economically, they don't make a lot of sense, but and we, um, they're terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we take the bus up and it is snowing. Like it's insanely snowing. And, uh, we, by to the, the time point we, we almost made a decision not to get yeah, to the tournament. Yeah, we, we were. So bad. Yeah, yeah, we're right, right, driving yeah, yeah. up the interstate. Yeah, yeah. And it's and just. The middle between two lanes. Couldn't going see. Up the interstate up yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't even see where the cars were. And so it was, it was just a ton of snow. But we make it and we're kind of going really slow, sliding a little bit here and there. And we get into the hotel and we made it. And so we wake up in the morning and and that we still stay to this day at this hotel. And the, yeah, the Hyatt place or something. And so you pull out of the drive and there you have to go uphill. Not much. It's like a, you know, 10% incline, but you have to go up the hill to the stops, to the, uh, to the light to get out. And so we start to go up the hill and it's of course ice and snow. 
and we're revving and then we slide back down. And so the guy keeps revving it and we get to a spot where it's just kind of, we're in one spot and he's just hitting it and we're, we smell like tire smoke and stuff. And he's just, and we're kind of like cheering him on. You got it. And so finally somehow, because he's like melted all of the ice and everything because it's just burnt everything to, you know, and uh, he catches some of the road. And so we, take off and we get up into the and so now we're on on our way to um to the facility and so we're excited we're gonna play and you know it smells like like burning rubber still because of the because the guy peeling out but we're like it is it smoky in here and and so we're on the highway in in kentucky and it's probably a foot uh and a half two feet of snow outside of the bus and uh and we're driving and we come to a stop and it's clearly smoking in the, in the, the cab. And so we're like, Oh, we're starting to get concerned, but we don't know. We're, uh, excuse me, the bus driver, he like doesn't listen to us. So we're driving down the highway and it is clear that it's smoking. So I go up to the front and I'm like, Hey man, I don't know what it is, but it's, there's something smoking in the back. And he, he's like, Oh, okay. And pulls over to the side of the highway at you know seven in the morning in kentucky on a saturday with two feet of snow and as soon as he pulls over we look out the side of the bus and there are flames coming up the side of the bus and everybody starts screaming at the top of their lungs and we are yelling get out get out so the girls a lot of the jerseys got a lot of the girls yeah a lot of the girls are in flip-flops and stuff so they're like, what do we do? I'm like, just grab your bags and go. And so they grab their bag. They all, everybody runs out. We were like diving out of the bus. Like it was about to blow up. And, uh, and, uh, we get outside the bus, the whole side of the bus is, is in flames. And, um, and we, um, we get out and we're out and, and a lot of the girls start running up the highway with their arms out, like waving. And so we, um, we uh, we you can try to corral everybody. People are stopping and they're, what do you need? They're seeing these teenage girls <laughs> in flip-flops in two feet of snow running down the side of the highway. And uh, so we finally kind of gather everybody. And of course, we have a lot of the girls are hysterical, but we have girls like Amanda Comisero, who's, you know, team captain. And she's like trying to calm everybody down. We, you know, guys, we, we, we're alive and I think we're going to survive. And um, so... We, uh, so we, we get, uh, these, uh, all these people come by and they're trying to help us. And we're like, and the facility is right off the exit. And so we, um, it probably wasn't the best idea, but, uh, we called the parents stuff and we said, there's these, like, you know, these, uh, these patrons that have pulled over they're like, we'll take you there. Don't worry. And so we all hop into two cars <laughs> of random people on the side of the road and they take us to the facility. Uh, most of the girls are missing things, missing shoes. 
the Kiva, all the Kiva, they're all been warming up and stuff. They've already like played a match. And uh, cause we've been stuck in the, you know, on the hot, on, on the road the entire time. And so we get there and they're, they're giving us shoes. They're giving us everything. It was like, great. They, and, and Ron and the whole crew at Kiva was, uh, you know, help very helpful. They didn't, even though we missed our first match, the no forfeit or anything, we'll replay it, figure it out. Um, we don't have any balls or cards. And so they're like, thank you guys so much. And we were like, okay, this is a crazy day. We guys, and we got to play volleyball. Okay. And so we play, uh, that one of the best, one of my favorite club teams of all time, uh, that Mava team. And uh, we lost and in 20 minutes, maybe a two set <laughs> match. And I think we scored like maybe a total of like 12 points or something. We got crushed so badly. And I was like, well, it's, I guess it could be worse. I don't know alive. how, but it could, <laughs> we're alive. It, it could be worse. I remember the funny, I, one funny thing was our balls were returned to us. They're at the bottom of the bus. <laughs> They were brought into the hotel. The hotel threw them outside and was like, if you want the balls, you'll have to get them. They, the whole hotel smelled of smoke because these balls are there. I was like, Scott, do you do we do we want these balls? And Scott strongly considered bringing them back. They were completely like ruined with rubber, you know, fire yeah. smell. And so, of course, we threw them away. Anyways, it was interesting time. I don't think I can top that. I don't that. think you can. No, I, don't, I think we can. That was a leading a question to get <laughs> that story. <laughs> yeah, just move yeah. to the next yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, I right, think that's yeah. as good we'll as you guys just going to get. God, Bob is really good at reading the audience. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, next, uh, the next part of the interview is the actual survive and advance portion of the show. So this is going to be a um, series of questions um sort of random sort of get inside the head of a coach uh first one um so i'll 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 set the stage a little bit for question one let's call it um and we'll ask these to most of the guests that uh that we have but let's call it day two of a qualifier right came out of day one three and oh you're in a pretty tough pool in day two uh you go three and oh you play well how are you as a coach celebrating that are you a are you a film watcher are you a you know go back to the hotel and take walks what's your you know after a good day of play at an away qualifier what's your uh you call it the second day two yeah am i talking to the team or am i just dealing with myself either way how do you do it so you've got so you get you got to figure am wave ends about ends about you know one thirty two o'clock and we and um, this is day two. We finished day two, three and zero. That's right. Okay. Oh, well, day usually two's done. You're we three and zero. You're in a great spot for day three. Usually, I look at my team and say, "Well, we, we can celebrate this for about five, six, ten minutes, maybe." Yeah. We still have work to do. We yeah. came here to to do stuff, and that a lot of what's going to happen if we're going to be go ahead and be more successful or continue our success is uh, we're going to uh, as mindset. Yeah. And that. Um, you know, you know, part of the part of our goals we talk about is we want to play better every day we uh, earn a qualifier and every match, uh, and that we have to be um, confident and 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 uh, and calm about it, right? That you know, we can't be over ex- irrationally exuberant. We haven't done anything yet. We just did what we set out to do. Yeah. Uh, for me, you know, I I'll usually take a nap. In the afternoon, yeah. and I'm old. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> lifetime achievement. So lifetime achievement award. I asked this question again, so, sort of his leading question. Do you still walk concentric block 
walks. Because I know in I do. Philly, when, when we won that one, he would go in a, a one-block square and then a two-block square and then a three-block yeah, square yeah, at night at in night. Philly. I, it I was would. one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm super... Uh, Hi, I'm super superstitious. That's what the question is. What, what do you do? So I make sure that my toothbrush is laying at exactly the right angle. And, and, and I'm more obsessed the better we play. Yeah. That yeah. my shoes yeah. have to be in exactly That's the right it. way. That's I have it. a I have an order of which I wear my clothes. Exactly. I can't change yeah. that. Yes, it's exactly right. <laughs> I've, I've got a day like one day outfit. One I've got a day two, two outfit. Two. I've got a day three and, outfit. And, and, and I will. It I can will. be a thousand degrees in the gym, but on day three, if we're playing well, I'm, I'm not I'm, taking over my quarters. Yeah, I'm not taking it off. I'm staying off. I'm not. I'm not. Right. I. I. You know. I try to, I may eat the same food multiple days in a row, <laughs> you know, yeah, so, okay. um, and, uh, I usually look at the stats. Yeah. I like to see what I know already, yeah. but I like to see the, the passing stats yeah. or whatever I think we have to do. And I think a little bit about, uh, who we might play the next day, but I, I'm a big believer in John Wood's philosophy about that is that I'm mostly concerned with what we do on our side of the net yeah, and that, uh, you know, wouldn't only scouted. Uh, two teams in his life, and he lost to both those, yeah. Elvin Hayes yeah. and uh, Lynn Bias, I yeah. think. And um, so uh, for us, it's more a matter of us controlling the ball, uh, control both our mental and physical execution on yeah. our side of the game. And I try to – we have our team meeting that night. I try to be relaxed about that and and, uh, and talk about what we have to do the next day to be successful. Good. Um, I, I am the opposite of that. So we um, – I think it's probably one of the few things that I – got from the college world that um changed my mind but for everything for me is the scout so we even in between our matches we are we if we know that we are three and oh that we're gonna have to possibly face this team first then i'm gonna send a couple kids over there to take notes on that team so we're constantly looking at the teams around us seeing how they're performing focusing on our pool first so if we finish three and oh the only thing we're thinking about is if we can go watch the match that we are that's going to play into ours the next day. So we will race over there, and before we heck even get water, it's like match is done, court four now. Everybody goes over. We scout. We try to get an idea of how it is that they run their system and how we're going to counteract it. And um, so almost never we're talking about what we achieved. It's always what is the next thing that we got to do. Like right when we finish the match, if we know that this team's next, we're like, all right, everybody's mindset now is that big outside. Think about how she hits. Think about how we're going to defend it and so on. So for me going into day three, like it, uh, our most recent uh, qualifier that we were able to have some success uh, we had the pool of death on day three, and the best part was we have watched all three teams very heavily that day, and uh, we got great scouting reports, Metro, Houston Juniors, and Houston Skyline. And um, so the next day we got in, the first match was against Metro, and we scout. We had the best scouting report with them, and uh, we knew this one outside, although touching 11 feet or something, you know, struggled to hit down the line. And so we knew we were not going to put any defense on that side of the court, just small things like that. So when we get back to the hotel, um, I, uh, we will meet with the team and uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things we did well for the day and then mainly focus on the opponent the next day. What it is that they're going to expect, where is our focus going to be on the block and stuff like that. So at night, theoretically, 
they're going to sleep and thinking about, you know, okay, we got to block that big outside yeah. and then we have to win in transition or whatever yeah. our goal. So, so I have one yeah. thing to add, which has a little bit of synchronous to some mm -hmm. degree with Gabe, is that I, every team has a, if they're successful, has some formula for how they have, what they have to do to win. Mm -hmm. So we do talk about that. For instance, uh, uh, when I had, when I had the privilege to coach the team that Gabe had this last year, at 15s, we were one of the better blocking teams in the country. So we had to block some balls mm -hmm. to be to be successful, and we would talk about those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, so, so Scott, Man, just just so we can we, we can well, touch base on what because we're the yeah our coaching charge is different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what do we do when we were three and zero on day it, two? Well, it depends what city we're in. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of good bars. If we're in Baltimore, in Baltimore, good bars in Baltimore. Baltimore it's a cool too. area. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, we're gonna go out and explore the city, and we'll talk about volleyball the next day. We yeah. do. But I'll tell you though, we, we're we're following the uh, the stats online with mm -hmm. the, the wins to figure out who we're gonna play. Sure. So it's not all fun and games, but it's a lot of fun for sure. But sometimes you got to get away from the game. Yeah. Um, both of you, uh, one match that you lost that you wish you could change. Oh well, there's so many. <laughs> but we don't have so many. One match. But I, I can tell you the one that that just eats me alive to this day is it was the uh, Ceci Matei team, um, and we were playing Nebraska Juniors to get to the gold, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, we're up 11-8, and Ceci has just served an ace. And, and I, they call timeout, and I am just it, beside myself with excitement. I'm, yeah. you know, jumping around, and, you know, instead of being calm, say, hey, this is what we've got to do to be successful. Yeah. Let's take a deep breath here. And, and so and, and what I, I, all I had to do to say to Ceci was, Ceci, just make sure this serve is in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just serve the ball in the court. I don't care if it's yeah. a lob, right? And um, uh, you know, they they uh, uh, sure enough, she goes back out and serves a rocket, and it's out the back line by two inches. And uh, and so, and then she makes three more. Uh, bless her heart, Seth, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. she makes three more unforced errors because she can't forget that missed serve. And and uh, we lose. Um, you know, 15, 13. And uh, it was, I, to this day, all I, but I learned so much as a coach for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I tried not to be overly excited when I came to the gym. That my job is to give them emotional balance. Yeah. Hey, let's take a deep breath. Let's play the game. You know what I mean? And uh, um, execute what we have to do. And I, I that loss will, there's many, 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 yeah, oh, many, yeah. many oh, yeah. more. But that that one will will live with me forever. I like how it's it's a it's an older one, too. And it obviously sticks with you. Good. Um, I, well, gosh, I, I like Bob. I have a literally a million. Yeah, there's always and, one uh, that sticks with coaches, you. There's right? one. That, I, I'm going to actually say two because the one that comes to anyone's mind that keeps up with volleyball would, was obviously uh, uh, last year. And that was AU National Championship. And uh, we were um, – we were uh, could have won in two, I think, and to a, a very, very good oh, sports performance oh, team. And um, we uh, well, actually, uh, Scott's doing a lot of motions. It actually wasn't that. A lot of people thought that. Um, well, I'll just break it down. The third set, we uh, the switch. I think it was eight seven something, very close, and uh, it was back and forth, and we got some momentum at the perfect time, and it was thirteen eleven. And Jackie and Calissa were front court, and I thought, this is it. We're yeah. going to win. 
and uh, we got an easy free ball, came over the net, and we didn't execute it. And don't want to call anybody out, but uh, never would. Yeah, never would. But uh, we didn't execute, and so uh, they we gave them an easy ball, and they rammed it down our throats and scored 12-13. We still have a good rotation up, and um, we got one more opportunity. And I could look in the girls' eyes; I could see that that if we didn't win that point, then we were done for. And um, and that the point before was really the one that we needed to win. And uh, so everybody in A5, everybody's watching on ESPN and so on. And so we uh, we get the next point. We um, make a, just a really boneheaded play error. It's 13, 13. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't know what's gonna happen. But I, you know, I look at the girls and don't see that confidence. And we ended up siding out and I'm thinking, okay, wow, we have a shot here. And then sports foreman sides out and, um, and it felt a lot of the fans and everybody felt like we still had the momentum. There was still some momentum there and we ended up losing the point. And then the last play was just some uh, communication error. So yeah. funny how that happens. And a lot of people blame it on that communication error. And it's not me that some girls were standing in the wrong spot and they kind of so one girl pass it into another girl and everybody's, you know, a lot of people were trying to blame it on that. And I was, that wasn't where we lost it. We 13, 11, have we scored 13, 11? We would have won the national championship no matter what. It was a hundred percent. We would have won. Isn't it funny and, that we, as coaches, uh, you see those moments, you see your teams and you see, you're like, this is it. We lost that moment or we won that moment because yeah. of that. It's, it's, it's about body language the trust they have in each other and and we've all been there as coaches right coach long enough you you feel both ways and so i appreciate you mentioning that comments like you you saw that as a as a momentum changer that yeah. one particular point you know, you're still it, up and that, yeah. that's what it's about yeah. that the other one which i won't go into detail just bob knows it very well but the one that i've lost the most sleep of, i've lost some sleep off that but i've been through it you know before and so the one that I really, really lost sleep over was the Kelly Murphy team, the, that we had the best performance just ever against one of the, in the hardest division that I could ever rem uh, uh, remember at 16s at Nationals and had our shot with Skyline to go to the final, to the to, to medal and go to the, it's, it's different back then yeah. how they did it. Um, but if you got through that third day and you win your uh, crossover match, you go immediately to the semifinals, the mm -hmm. final four. Yeah. And it was us in Skyline. And it was – and it, it, this team had the best chemistry and so many things that was going well for them. They were just – you know, it was like – it was had to be theirs to win. And we – and we went to a third set with them. There's nothing more to be said that, than the single fact we lost 16-14. And it was – but it, it was ours to win. We were supposed to win. It was that feeling. And it, yeah. and um, and nothing really had been done like it at the time uh, yeah. at well, that level yeah. in Georgia. And uh, this team was just a special team because back then, some, still the majority of our teams didn't play at a very high level. No. And we, that would have been – 
in Reno, right? Yes, in Reno. Yeah, I yep. was uh, I was I was coaching Casey Power sixteen. Yes, the time. right. We were battling uh, Jamba to see who is going to go zero and nine and one and eight. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Jamba team. Yeah, 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 yeah we, we went zero and nine. It was a battle, but they went. That's another appreciation, right? It's like the the storied history of being able to compete and being up there all the time versus like just being the new entrant. Yeah. Right. And how that, that changes. Right. It's like, I would say our teams now are used to winning and that's, sure. a, that's yeah. a different, that's right. different. That's right. Well, I actually, I actually point that out to the teams a lot yeah. that we yeah. play. It's like, I don't want to be arrogant about this, but they have to play us. Yeah. We're always worried about who we play. <laughs> yeah. Who says that all the time? A lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got to play us. Right. We're not, we're not a pushover. I got a couple, a couple of brief comments to make. One is I don't want to throw Cecilia on the bus that same year. Uh, she was an All-American at AAUs and had one of the finest tournaments in the history of the club up to that oh, moment in time. Great play. And, and we finished, finished fifth. We had the highest finish of any AAU team. It was primarily because of a lot because of, of her performance. And the other thing that I have to a mention A very important is, A5 family, too, really. Oh, the really? The yeah. Bates are yeah. super yeah. critical to who we were and who we are and yeah. how we got here. Yeah. And the other one, I, and I, I have to say this, is I made a coaching error last year and uh, two years ago in AAUs. No, not – it was last year in AAUs with the team that Gabe had this year at 16. They had a lineup here, yep. and it cost us a chance to go to the finals. That that I will keep you up. I will never get over that. I've been there, unfortunately. Scott, what is our most memorable loss as a, a, a tandem? <clears throat> I have two, and, I, and I'll keep it extremely brief. One of them is uh, – Nacha? You can only <laughs> – no, that was actually the best loss we've okay, ever okay, had okay, okay, was okay. losing to the North Alabama Christian All-Stars. In <laughs> 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 regionals because that kept us in USA and, and yeah. we won a USA National yeah, Championship. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're yeah, right. Right. It was the best right. loss we ever yeah. had. Uh, no, um, you hate to refer to teams by, by by players and not years, but I don't remember the year. Um, but it was uh, losing to Iowa Rockets, uh, Amanda Docks, that uh, Amanda Docks, Elmport, Allie Davenport yeah. year, yeah. Yeah. Uh, up uh, up 14-9 and, and lost that match in the mm. third. Tough one. Um, yeah, it was a <laughs> tough one. But then the other one um, that I thought we could have done better with um, was, I guess it'd be two years ago, our first year at 18s. Um, we played, uh, in Indy, we played another local club. It was the, there was never a match that I've seen at a five that had more inner club support than this particular match. And we got beat 15, 13 in the third. And I felt like, I felt like we, I felt like we were content pushing it to three because we proved a point. Mm -hmm. Um, But we really could have won that. And yeah. yeah, And that, and that would have been, we, we made a statement. We could have made a huge statement. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that's and that's one that I feel like kind of got away from us a little bit just in the moment. Yeah. Like, oh, guys, we're here. We did it. We proved the point. But um, could have won that. And it would have been mm-hmm. cool to win that in the environment that we had because so many teams Oh, my gosh. Watching. It was one. It was uh, so many remarkable moments emerged from that. Just Culturally, the it was It was, it was, amazing. It was as good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, like, yeah. it's one of those things where you – it's one of those losses you remember almost for – not because you lost, but because of what it meant to the club and, and for that team. It meant a lot, but it right. would have meant a lot more <laughs> yeah. if we would have won. Yeah, that, that's right? right. And yeah. we could have won that. But that's right. Anyway, um, really quickly again, uh, one match that you won- where you won, where you thought, how did we just win that? I'll, mine is the easiest. It's um, <laughs> even though there's a hidden one that nobody knows about, but it was with the same team. But mine is obviously the 2016 team AU's. Uh, playing legacy in the finals down 14, nine, and there's no 
possible way in the in the third, and there's no way we're gonna win. And um, and uh, just what we've played it a lot, and you know, Connor and Scott and everybody's done a great job of uh, memorializing that moment. But um, but uh, honestly, we had a great team, but. And Bob will tell you that, that this legacy team was more talented. Than no, there's no doubt about it. They I should mean, have they, won. Yeah, well, they, they, won. They, they had I feel a, for Ricky and Jen Cottrell on that yeah, one because yeah. I've been up 14-9 and lost. And <laughs> yeah. it, it just, we just talked about it. It'll, you'll lose sleep for years. But I, I you know, I just uh, at, at the time I was fine. I was calm. <laughs> I was like, well, it's good job, girls. Yeah. You know, and you know, we go out there and keep said keep playing. You know, and then 14-11. Uh, it's possible, you know. I mean, it's just got to try to score again, and then they took that last time out at 14 14. And I felt holy freaking cow, there is a chance on that never in the world has this happened before that we could possibly win. And yeah. by that time, to lose that many points in a row, being up to win a national championship. That legacy was just completely. They were done. done. They, were they were done. done. For me, it's the second year of a five, and uh, and there was still we had not yet. Uh, we were the best club in Atlanta. We had been. This particular team was comprised of all the girls in the in the city that nobody wanted, yeah. literally, and and they everybody we were the best uh, 18s team in the in the region all year long, uh, all season long. But still, we were underappreciated, disrespected. Um, and there were still two clubs in Atlanta that were, you know, they were competitive with us for sure. And, and there were three actually. And sure enough, we get all of them in our uh, regional pool, right? <laughs> so it's, you know, it's tough to play m multiple emotional matches in a row, but that's what we had to do. And we we eke out. We don't play that well, but we eke out two emotional matches in a row, and then we have to play the 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 club that basically we replaced, right? And and um, and I told these people they were going to be out of business in two years. Well, this was the end of the second year, right? <laughs> and and so we're playing them, and and we're down. He wondered why he's not approachable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're down in the third, 13 13-9, 14-11. And I call my last time out. Or they they call their their last time out. And I I walk to the huddle, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I prepare to say, hey girls, great 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 uh, tournament. We qualify for nationals. Good job. You did, laid everything on the line. I couldn't get in the huddle. The girls were just tearing it up about what yeah. they were gonna do, right? And so I just turned around, walked back, sat back down, and we win 16-14. And uh, and so that it was, it was improbable. And they were out of business the next year. <laughs> Touche. Um, what are some things that you guys see in other teams or coaches of other teams before a match that gives you confidence you're going to win the match? So, like I, for example, I'll just I'll just give you an example. It might help uh, clarify the question. I know that if an opposing coach shows up wearing jeans, we got him. <laughs> I know, or or doesn't have that, a ball cart, I know, right? I know if they don't have a ball cart, or wearing their backpack while they're coaching, we yeah. got them. Yeah, we got them. So, I, what are some? I, you know, for me, it's um, the 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 coach that goes out and then he ends up being the setter for the hitting warm up. I know we're gonna win that. Match. <laughs> I like that. I like that. He doesn't let his setter set. He is yeah. only confident in his own setting. Yeah, that's right. No, like, for like me, that. it's uh, 
if the warm up is so slow that I can sleep between contacts, <laughs> then it's probably we probably got a pretty good chance. Yeah, yeah. I think good. I mean, you do fall asleep quickly, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it's but still you're right. It's still true. Yeah. Still true. Yeah. Um, next one, I get in. Next one, and and uh, and last one. Who are some of the uh, of the uh, coaching rivals or 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 coaches that you love to coach against? Well, my all time favorite will be Mike Lingenfelter. I don't I don't get to coach against Mike now, but you know, we we love doing this too. Is yeah. it, I can't tell you the number of times in matches where Mike or I are having a conversation back and forth across the referee and they're saying, You can't do this and we'll both look at what do you, is there a rule? Yeah. And we'll be talking about about this or that and one year we got the referees to change their call three times, and and uh, because Mike said, "Well, we, well, Mike and I agree." Mike walked up once and said, "No, Bob's right. You guys are wrong about that." And they yeah. consulted and okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So I love coaching against Mike. Um, that that Scott High coach, uh, he's still coaching. I can't remember his name. Um, I, I really director, enjoy, yeah. I really enjoy coaching against him over yeah. a long period of time. What are your thoughts about John Samples? I, well, I enjoy coaching against John. I, I have to admit, I enjoyed when we finally beat him. <laughs> now, I can say, honestly, I've been blessed. When you win, a lot of that's a function of talent. Right. And and uh, so, um, but um, the only two teams that I never managed to beat their um, one teams was uh, Mike Lingfellas, Montana, 18 one teams, and uh, – Sports performance. We played some great matches, yeah. uh, but never managed to beat those two guys. Yeah. So. Uh, for me, it's Jason at TAB, and yeah. uh, he's no longer there, but um, uh, the rivalries that we built over the years were pretty epic. Most of them were him crushing my teams, but uh, we uh, we finally got to the point where we, we were able to compete and, and beat them, and... Um, and we've we've had just some really epic moments. That Mitty's qualifier, oh, uh, the same one at, right after the match yeah. that we all just talked about. That was that that epic match with oh, him. Oh wow, was just great one, wow. great and match, he, great one. And he's a great guy. And you know, we'll we'll get we'll get heated in our own you know world. And then as soon as we're done, we we go back to the bar and have a drink or actually you know one thing that we do a lot is watch uh, film together uh oh, we'll, sorry we'll, we'll, watch, we'll watch film he's um uh, scott and i always joke he's massive um and he's always in the gyms you know wherever yeah. we go so i always see him up in the gym and he's you know working out he's like oh, all right ready to go to the bar <laughs> sure oh. yeah that's probably why i don't know him very well that's right. That's right. most of my time yeah. in the gyms <laughs> So, Scott, I know you said this is the end, but yeah. I think we have go two ahead. great questions yeah, left, ahead. right? It's it. like um, pet peeves of players. Oh, well, I have one for sure. <laughs> That's right? what I want to hear. Again, yeah. one. Just brief. One. Brief. <laughs> we're coming up on the end, so you got to. Okay, I'll be brief. Is that when, we're, when we get to the point in the warm up where we're serving, and we go back to serve, the first five balls <laughs> yeah. go in the net. <laughs> or the first. Oh, you the first one. Yeah, the first, right. they just. Yeah. I just literally makes my insides crawl. Like Nine hundred square feet. Just yeah, get, just get the first one in. Over, it's warm <laughs> yeah. up. It's, it's yeah. one of those things that the opposing coach sees that and they're like, "Well, these yeah, guys can't serve." Can't yeah. can't yeah. yeah. Oh god, I don't know. I have so many. I, I would say so that many. So, so many. The the one that is like really gotten to me lately over the past you know five years or so it, it, for players it, are the girls who don't. Uh, 
that don't do the warm-ups correctly. I, I don't understand that. It, it is something that is like hard for me. They, they can physically do it and they just choose not to. And I, it doesn't make any sense. And you, and the reason why is you watch like the professional players around the world. It's the coach isn't telling them what to do. They warm up on their own and it looks like a professional should. Mm -hmm. If we were to tell our girls to warm up on their own, they just stand in a circle and talk. So when they actually have to warm up and they don't do it correctly, I think that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves mm -hmm. among probably one two million others. Number two, yeah. yeah. So besides athleticism, which we we know is, is what is the 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 thing you look for in an athlete or a player? Grit, grit, willingness, willingness to fail, willingness to stand in the fire. And it served me, set me. You know what I mean? And they're doing it on behalf of the team. It's not a selfish moment, but they're willing to – If those girls that, that have that. You know, championships – championship teams always have one player that hates to lose more than they want to win. Everybody wants to win. But I don't think you can win championships unless you have one person that hates to lose. The, the, the ultimate example for that that I've had the privilege to coach was Haley Templeton. Well, we had two on that team because Onyx also hated, hated to lose. Uh, they too. hated to lose too. Yeah. If you have two, I mean, Jessica, Alex Mills was a really good outside hitter, but she was top five in the country because she was terrified of Haley. <laughs> and, and, and Jessica Sloan, you know, she had to remind Jessica all the time she was going to set her. And Jessica ended up being an All American, right? So that, that to me, it's grit and uh, being willing to stand in the fire. And, and yeah, mine is just piggybacking off that because it's the same thing. It's just is is attitude, and um, one of the things that uh, Joseph would always say is the is that the most important attribute of the of the athlete is the attitude, and it doesn't mean good attitude, bad attitude. It means when you see the winning team, you look at the, their faces, you can see what their attitude is. They're not going to lose, yeah. and the, so it's exactly like what Bob said. They that use the. Riley Fisher team is an example to win those open national championships in a row. We were not the most talented team. We were not. They did have by far the strongest will of any team. They, they did not. They did. They did. I mean, they would. You know, it's like they're. It's like a. You know, they're if they're coming on the court, it's a it's a brawl for them. You know, mm -hmm. they're they're going to go out there and they're not they're not going to lose. So. It. All right. Hey, Bob, Gabe, thanks so much. Oh, gosh. Thanks for having us. Really, no, congratulations on all you've done, but guess what? The, the road ahead is a lot harder. Uh, yeah. Oh, we know so, that. Um, yeah. Thanks for, for doing this. Um, I hope this goes well. This inaugural uh, podcast. I, I hope everybody enjoys it. Comes back the next episode. We'll be bigger and better. No, yep. thanks no for you guys on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. thanks for doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah.